C++ was designed as a successor to the very popular C programming language. Today, it's one of the top five most popular programming languages in the world. We'll tell you about it and where it came from. Welcome to Copec Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. This week, Dave, we're talking about C++. Why is it called that? C++ is actually a kind of programmer's joke. C++ is a successor to the C programming language, which we talked about on a prior episode that I'll link to in the show notes. In the C programming language, the operator plus plus, when given after a variable, increases the value of that variable by one. So for example, if I have a variable called x, and x is set to 10. If I write x++, then x will become 11. So it's like C++ is a successor to C, so it's like it's C plus one. That's the little joke. That's why it's C++. I like that. Yeah, it's kind of a nice, fun way to name a language. So who created C++? C++ was created by Bjorn Straustrup, who is a Danish computer scientist, and I hope I didn't butcher his name. He actually created the language while working at Bell Labs, and you might remember from our C programming language episode that Bell Labs is where C came from. So both of these languages actually came out of the same institution. Bjorn wanted a way of combining object-oriented programming with C. C is a procedural programming language. And if you don't know what the terms procedural or object-oriented mean, we covered them in a prior episode called What is a Programming Language? So I will link to that in the show notes as well. And that is probably a good primer for all of our language-oriented episodes. But he created C++ because he wanted to have the best of both worlds. He wanted to have the speed and portability and power of C, but he also wanted to have the conveniences of object-oriented programming. So by putting the two together, he thought he was getting the ultimate language in his mind. And a lot of people would agree because it's become a very popular language, of course. And when did he develop it? So he first started working on the idea for C++ in 1979, but it took till 1985 for the first commercial implementation of C++ to come out. The first versions of C++ were actually modifications of C compilers. So they were fully backwards compatible. You could say then that the first versions of C++ were, quote, supersets of C. That means that they had all the features of C plus these additional features such as classes to make it possible to have object-oriented programming. So C++ started out as a superset, a fully backwards compatible version of C with a bunch of new features to allow this new paradigm. Is it still backwards compatible with C? Well, that's an interesting thing is over time, the two languages have diverged a bit and no longer can we say in a strict technical sense that current C++ is just a superset of C. There are some small changes that have happened to C that are no longer valid C++. And of course, because C++ always had more features, it's not valid C. So no, C++ is no longer in a strict technical sense, a superset of C. However, still the vast majority, the vast, vast majority of C code is valid C++ code. 
So even though people on the internet will like kind of get into arguments about this, and yes, C++ is not strictly from a technical sense anymore a superset of C, the vast majority of C code is still valid C++. So if you know C, you have a leg up for starting to learn C++. But as we'll talk about, C++ is a much, much bigger language than C. How has C++'s adoption gone over time? So I think when C++ came out, based on the history that I've read and, and books I've read about this era, people really were looking for enhancements to the C language, and they really were interested in object-oriented programming. But in the 1980s, when it came out, it still was kind of a foreign concept. Even though the idea of object-oriented programming goes all the way back to the late 1960s, most programmers were really in this procedural mindset. And it really took until the 1990s for C++ to take off. But then it really did take off. And today, object-oriented programming, which was largely ushered in by C++ in the 80s and the 90s for the mainstream, is the dominant paradigm in programming. The majority of programming languages today that are used for the majority of applications are object-oriented programming languages. So... C++ was a pioneer in that sense of bringing object-oriented programming to the masses, and it found adoption in many different areas. Because C++ tries to be a language that doesn't sacrifice the performance of C, even though it adds all these interesting higher-level abstractions, it can actually be used for low-level applications. However, one of the great things about object-oriented programming is how much easier it makes writing all kinds of higher-level applications, too. So C++ is used for operating system development, but it's also used for making apps. It's also used for making games. It's used for all kinds of different areas. It's able to fit into a lot of different niches. And so C++ has seen quite wide adoption. It never surpassed C in popularity. In fact, if you look at the latest Toby Index... C++ is about half as popular as C according to the Toby Index. As we talked about in prior episodes, that's not the most accurate way of measuring programming language popularity, but C++ never surpassed C. C remains, by some measures, the most popular programming language in the world, and if you look at ranking, C++ is usually in the top five. So it's very popular, but it never quite surpassed its predecessor, but it's used in many different areas, everything from application development to operating system development to game development. You've mentioned that C++ is object-oriented. Can it also be programmed in the same way as C? Yes, C++ is what we call a multi-paradigm language. That means that it can actually be programmed in more than one of these major paradigms. The main paradigms, which we talked about in our previous episode, what is a programming language, include things like procedural, object-oriented, functional, logic-oriented. So C is a procedural language. C++ is multi-paradigm in that it can be programmed in a procedural way or it can be programmed in an object-oriented way. So you can actually take C++ and use it the same way as you would have used C with maybe just a few extra nice features and maybe a better standard library, or you can go full-out object-oriented and program it in a totally different way than you would have programmed C. So C++ is what we call a multi-paradigm language, meaning that it can be used by programmers in more than one way. Is it hard to go between procedural to object-oriented? C++ makes it pretty easy to combine the two. So in some languages, such as Java, every single piece of your code needs to be within a class. C++ is not like that. You can have freestanding functions in C++, and they can be called from your classes, 
and you can kind of just use classes as much or as little as you want to use them. Now, I realize for some listeners, you don't know what a class is. And so uh, I, we won't go too much further into this. I don't want to go into the details and make this too nitty gritty for, for most listeners. But the bottom line is that you can absolutely combine the two styles very freely. And you can really use C++ as much or as little as an object-oriented language as you would like to. That sounds like a really powerful feature. Yeah, and also when people were still not sure about object-oriented programming, like I mentioned in the 80s and when it wasn't really that mainstream, it allowed people to kind of dip their toes into it and just use it in parts of their code base before they went all out and, you know, built big class hierarchies, which again, not everyone knows what that means. But before they went all out into the style, it allowed them to gradually adopt it, which not all programming languages did. For example, one of the most iconic object-oriented languages of the 70s and 80s was called Smalltalk, but Smalltalk was purely object-oriented. So you had to really buy in to the object-oriented paradigm if you wanted to use Smalltalk whereas C++ allowed you to not fully buy in yet. You can kind of test the waters with it and see if it's really for you, see if it's really for your project. And so that was really smart and probably helped with adoption. How has C++ changed over time? C++ has changed a lot over time. The early versions, as we mentioned before, really were just supersets of C, and they just added these object-oriented features on top of C. However, by the late 1990s, early 00s, the C++ Standards Committee started adding more and more features. And in fact, they come out with a new standard for C++ recently, approximately every three years. There was a C++ 11 standard, 14 standard, 17 standard, there's a 20 standard. They all are pretty major changes to the language. They've added big features to the language that have fundamentally changed how people have programmed in the language. That's very different from C. C has stayed almost the same for the past 20 years or so. And even before that, the changes that were made to it were, were largely relatively small. They're, they were never on the scale of the kind of changes that have been happening to C++. So C++ is a constantly evolving language with new features being added in all the time. This is frustrating to some people, both who use it and who are interested in learning it, because there's just so much to learn. And not only do you need to learn all of the latest features, you have to also learn all the features that came before because C++ always maintains backwards compatibility pretty much. So anything that was valid C++ in the 1990s is generally still valid C++ in 2021. So this means that there's so much for you to learn. It's a much, much more complicated language with many more possibilities, many more abstractions, much more power than C, but it also can be intimidating. And I'm somebody who I teach computer science and I've been programming since I was a little kid. So now for multiple decades and I find C++ intimidating compared to a lot of the other programming languages that I work with. And I, I do use C++ from time to time on personal projects and I teach a class in C++ at my work. So I, I do care about the language and I do want to be good at it. But I do find it overwhelming just how much there is to constantly learn. You know, I've heard people say nobody is really an expert on C++. They're an expert on a subset of C++ that they choose to use in their projects. Because there's so much, it's unlikely that you're ever going to touch every part of the language in any given project, even on a fairly large project. And what a lot of companies will do is they'll decide this is the subset of C++ that we use. 
Because if you use every single thing, then some people inevitably will not be familiar with some of the more esoteric features. And then you'll be putting those people at a disadvantage as they work on the code base. And so a lot of companies will say, these are the features we use and here's the features we don't use. So don't touch those features and don't include them as you work on this project. So if you choose a smart subset of C++, I think that can actually go a long way in making it less intimidating for the people who are using it. But the problem is that, yes, that's when you're working at that company, but then you go to work at a different company or on a different open source project, and they're using a different subset of the language. So it's just such a big language. Some people call it, and I like this term, a kitchen sink language. They've added so much to it that literally everything is there. And now it's just like, how do you manage this this large behemoth and, and choose the right subset for yourself? And then some of the people who work on the C++ standard, they will say, well, don't use a lot of that older stuff. We have all this newer stuff. But the problem is all that legacy code is still out there using all that older stuff. And you might inadvertently sometimes just reach for the wrong thing. You don't know that that's no longer considered good C++ style because there's still a lot of old books, old resources, old tutorials, old things you'll find on the web that are suggesting using those older features. So this is really actually a big problem for learners of the language. It's even a big problem for practitioners of the language because there's just so much work to keep up to date to something that's constantly changing, constantly adding new features. And so it's an extra mental burden for people who use the language. It sounds like a pretty tough language. So would you say that programmers really like it? Yeah, it has a reputation for being somewhat intimidating. There's definitely programmers who love it. I mean, there's definitely people who are rabid C++ fans. And obviously, it's one of the top five programming languages in the world. It wouldn't be that if it wasn't loved by many programmers and many companies. At the same time, it is intimidating for learners. I mean, I see that teaching it. It definitely is. And it, when you compare it to much simpler languages like C, even like a modern language like Python or JavaScript, it is intimidating. It is. It can be overwhelming. And it is easier to shoot yourself in the foot because there are so many powerful features that are in- included in it. There are people who love it, but I will say that it's also probably one of the languages that has the most people who hate it. So <laughs> it's it's a love it or hate it kind of language. There are people who will avoid working in it altogether. And there are even people who will go and criticize other languages when they start to get too big and they say, oh no, this is going the way of C++. So it's almost like a meme, like, wow, you know, adding so many features, becoming so large, becoming so complicated is like what happens when a language goes downhill and a language starts to just adopt too many different features. I've seen people criticize, including myself actually, recent versions of Swift for going too much in the direction of C++. I've even heard some like all-star Python programmers not liking all the recent features that have been added to Python and saying Python is going the direction of C++. So it's actually like a negative. It's almost used as a pejorative. Oh, you're going the way of C++. On the other hand, There are very experienced programmers who love having all that power, love having all those features. They love, number one, probably, that C++ doesn't sacrifice performance while adding all these features, whereas other programming languages that tend to have all these features are not as performant as C++. So there are certainly programmers who appreciate the complexity, use the complexity to their advantage, and really understand the language deeply who love C++. There's a great quote from the creator himself, Bjorn Straustup, and again, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He said, there are only two kinds of languages, the ones people complain about 
and the ones nobody uses. <laughs> so that's what he's saying to his critics. He's saying, yeah, you know, there are people who don't like C++, but check it out. Tons of people are using it. It's found its way into a lot of applications. And obviously, it's been successful. So it's nice, actually, in some ways to be criticized, because to be criticized, you have to be popular enough to actually get criticism. With all that in mind, do you think C++ is a good language for a new programmer to learn? There are pros and cons to using it as a first language. The big pro is that C++ can be used both in a high-level manner and also in a low-level manner. So it gives you exposure to both high-level abstractions, like object-oriented programming, and it also gives you exposure to low-level parts of programming, like dealing with memory manually, using pointers. Again, these terms might be beyond some of our listeners, and that's okay. On the other hand, because it's such a big language and there's so many different parts to learn and it's so easy to shoot yourself in the foot, there's really no training wheel, so to speak. It can be intimidating and it can also lead to a lot of frustration when you're first learning that you won't necessarily feel in some other languages, like let's say a Python or a JavaScript. So is it my personal belief that people should use it as a first language? No, uh, I think probably Python, JavaScript, even C are better first languages just because it's harder to shoot yourself in the foot in quite the same way. And it's less overwhelming mm -hmm. in terms of just how much there is to learn. So I would not recommend it generally as a first language unless you're in like a really structured environment where you feel like you're not, you're going to have your questions answered when you get frustrated. You're going to have a mentor that's going to help you. But in general, no, it's not a language I recommend as a first language. Maybe not a first language, but definitely one folks should learn. It's a good language to know because it is so widely used and because it will introduce you to a combination of low-level and high-level concepts. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us this week. Rebecca, how can people get in touch with us on Twitter? We're at Kopec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>